You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermons online at mulvanechurch.com sermons. In Galatians 3, where you're right in the middle of, uh, Paul's instructions to them about the gospel of Christ. Uh, there were those who Paul had said had bewitched them and they had taught them another gospel. And Paul was uh, a bit shocked at that and wanted to make a correction, give corrective teaching as soon as possible. The great argument of the book of Galatians is chapter 2, verse 16. It's applications of these things. Yet we know a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So I hope that's clear enough. That's his thesis statement, and he repeats it. He repeats it twice. So in the early chapters of Galatians, he had gone over his biography. Uh, he had uh, showed that he was an apostle by the will of God and not by the will of man. And so those who attacked his apostleship uh, because they didn't like his doctrine were on poor footing. And then in chapter 3, uh, he begins to make the doctrinal case uh, from Scripture that salvation by faith is the way of God. So chapter 3, verse 6, Even so Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. So it is, sons of, it is those of faith who are children of Abraham. Abraham was saved as his faith was counted as righteous. But those under the law and those who live that way, of them, Paul says, verse 10 of chapter 3, for as many are as of the works of the law. So those who want to live that way, be justified in that which they do, or at least they think they do, before God. So as many are as of the works of the law are under a curse. For it's written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. So there's a curse if you don't perform perfectly, if you don't perform all of the works of the law. The Apostle Peter would say this is a burden that we either, neither we nor our fathers was able to bear in Acts 15. Perfect obedience is not something that we seem to be very capable of. And the experience of all the Jews... And the testimony of the apostles would bear that out. However, verse 12, however, the law is not of faith, but on the contrary, he who practices them will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So the law, Paul says, put us all under a curse. We were cursed if we didn't obey them all, if we did not have complete and total obedience. But of that curse in Christ, we're redeemed. Down in verse 19 now, chapter 3. Why then the law? So what did the law do? If the law wasn't for salvation, 
And it wasn't, evidently, or if it was for salvation, it failed because no one is saved by works of the law. And, of course, Isaiah says that God's word never returns empty without performing the thing it's is intended to do, right? That's not like your word or my word. My word comes back to me empty all the time. I tell my children what to do. Doug, your, your word ever come back empty like that? You tell somebody what to do. You, you tell the family what we're going to do. You tell other people, these are our plans. These are the things we're going to do. And nothing comes of it. Or what comes of it wasn't what you intended. No, our word comes back to us without performing anything, oftentimes. God's word always performs what it was intended to do. And since the law saved nobody, it must not have been intended for that. So why then, verse 19, the law? It was added because of transgression. This is like Paul told Timothy, the law was not for the righteous man, but the law was for the unrighteous man, the impure man, the sinners. It was for the kidnappers and the murderers and the perjurers and the, all kinds of, of folks uh, who needed to be restrained. The law was added because of transgression. Until the offspring should come, verse 19, from whom the, uh, to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Not intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law contrary to the promises of God? Well, may it never be. So the law didn't get in the way of any promise of God. The promise of God, uh, in this case, is particularly the promise made to Abraham. But there are many promises made of God. And the law is not the way in which those things were, were fulfilled. So is it contrary to God's promises? No. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would have been indeed by the law. But the scripture imprisons or shuts up everything under sin. Thus our title today, as we get down a little farther into the text, that we're delivered to faith. We're delivered to faith. We were shut up. We were imprisoned. We, mankind, speak of mankind, we were kept in sin until faith came. The law just showed us how sinful we were. All the requirements of the law showed us all the things we didn't do. And so the scripture imprisoned everyone and everything under sin. So that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law. It's very strong language, held captive by the law, imprisoned by the law, imprisoned until the coming of faith would be revealed. This is how bad law is. This is what law keeping will get you. It will get you imprisoned and cursed and captive. That's what law keeping will do. Because under a system of law, what, what is it that gets you out of breaking it? What is it that uh, pardons the iniquity under it? Well, the, the law was keep the law. That's very simple. Black and white, keep the law. Well, what do you do with all the ones who haven't kept the law? Well, that is where God provided for faith through Christ. So now before faith came, we were held captive under the law. Again, verse 23, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian. Uh, some translations say schoolmaster. The word there in Greek is pedagogue. 
the one in charge of, of children and minors, uh, bringing them to uh, the time when they would be given full legal rights, given when they would be educated and when they would be then uh, reaching the age of majority set free. The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. And so now to the text, as we see that we have on the board, we were in verse 24, and we'll read down to verse 29. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And so that ends the third chapter of Galatians. What we find is that it's by faith and it's in Christ that all the blessings come. Let's just put those two sets of things up there. Uh, we could have, and I did think, but chose not to, uh, put a third one before this where we would have broken down again all the things that were under the law. Imprisonment, captive, enslaved, uh, not, uh, not free, cursed. We could have made that list as well, but we chose just to go with these two. But here in Christ, now that we're delivered by faith, in faith we find we are justified, in faith we are freed, and in faith we are made sons. Then having with that faith joined to Christ, we are clothed with Christ, and we are one with Christ, and we are a child and heir with Christ. And so overall, I think it's quite clear which one of these two systems Paul would recommend to you. Not the imprisoned, cursed one, but the free and justified and clothed and inheriting one. This is what Paul would recommend. So again, verse 23, before faith came, we were under the law, imprisoned until faith would be revealed. It says here, kept captive under the law. The American standard in this place says, were wards of the law. In the King James, it says, kept under law. This is where that pedagogue, that one who would be in charge of the uh, education and training of the uh, children when they were in the age of a minority, when they were uh, not fully responsible for themselves, as they were growing in age and responsibility, and hopefully in knowledge and wisdom, until the day came that they were free of them, this is where they were. They were under that law, or kept as a ward. They were kept under that system. Uh, today, uh, be our uh, privilege and pleasure in just a few hours, and I don't know why these people do this on the Lord's Day, but they do, but we'll have us a high school graduation we go to. And at the end of that, the, uh, all those uh, who have been under the tutelage of uh, the Mulvane Unified School District for so long, uh, they will be given their diploma and they will be free of those people. And they are going to celebrate greatly. 
They're going to let up a whoop and a cheer, and they're going to throw some hats all over the place. And then we're going to have to go find the right hat and get it back to the right owner. But why is it that they're so happy? Is it because they're done with the chorus of things? Well, partly. But a lot of them are going to be glad to be free of the restrictions of the school. Right? They're going to be glad to be done with all of that. They're no longer going to be, as it says in verse 25, under that guardian, under that uh, tutor. It's the freedom from that, as much as anything they've learned, that they're probably going to enjoy today. To know that they never have to go back and submit to any of that. Uh, As the old uh, Diddy says, no more pencils, no more books, no more teachers' dirty looks. And like so many of these old things, if you keep going, it gets a little more violent. Kick the tables, kick the chairs, kick the teachers down the stairs. Now, we're probably going to have security there, so nobody gets to go kick the teacher because they're holding their diploma. But they're going to be glad to be free of these people. And so they were needed, though, to be under these people for a time, did they not? That's what we've decided as a society, that you get this many years of education and then, you, then you're free of that and we give you a diploma saying that you've completed that course of study. Well, that course of study corresponds in many ways to what the law was for the Jewish people until Christ came. It was this regulated course of study. It was this set of disciplines, a set of rules, set of things that you were to do. But then faith in Christ came and you are free from all of that. Now, some people, when they get that freedom, I got to say, they don't use it well. Uh, they're going to immediately re- forget the lessons that they should have learned. Maybe they learned them, maybe they didn't, but they're going to act like they didn't know them. Their, their, their behavior is probably going to take a bit of a nosedive now that they're totally free. Some of them are not going to handle it well, but others will. They'll be free of that and then uh, set free to go do far greater and better things. And that's how the law was intended to bring us to Christ. But why the law? Well, it was for that time and for that purpose. It was for uh, that uh, use, and it should be respected for that. And we're glad it was there, and it taught a lot of lessons. It still teaches a lot of lessons we can get things from, but isn't it nice to learn those lessons and get those lessons without being under all the restrictions? How many of us would like to go back to another year of high school? There's a number of things that sometimes uh, recur in dreams of mine. And I have this one. It's not quite a full-on nightmare, but it's an unsettling dream where I dream that they find out I'm missing an English credit in high school. And in my dream, I have to go back and repeat that senior English class. (laughs) Again, it's not a full-on nightmare, but it's not pleasant either. But can you imagine trying to do that? Go back. So imagine then Christians going back under the law. Do Christians want to go back under law? Once you've been set free in Christ, once you've been justified by faith, now you want to go back under law? Right? Now again, not that law doesn't help us. Not that the lessons we've learned along the way aren't still with us and guide us in and give us some, some structure in life. But, you know, when you see the old school marm, you know, out and about, 
you go be nice to her, be respectful. But I don't want to go sit in their class anymore. Right? In 2 Timothy 3, we have this. Paul says, continue in the things you've learned to become convinced of, knowing from where you've learned them, from the childhood you've known the sacred writing, which is able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation, which is through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures inspired of God is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or adequate, equipped for every good work. Paul told Timothy, you know what you've heard. You've heard this all your life. Before you, I came to you, before you were a Christian, you were being taught the sacred writings. Those were good. Those were helpful. Because why? It gives you the wisdom that leads to salvation. This is what the scriptures, the Old Testament particularly, is good for. Wisdom that leads to salvation. It's not salvation. But it's the wisdom that leads toward it. We study the Old Testament here all the time because there's great wisdom in it. But we do it from the position of those who are justified by faith in Christ. And for those who get this messed up, it's really bad. We think about the Jews who had the scriptures and they memorized great chunks of it, but didn't really follow it. And Paul says, or excuse me, Jesus said to him, Jesus said, John 5, 39, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. These are those that testify about me, but you're unwilling to come to me that you might have life. And so the scriptures don't give us life itself. Jesus gives us life itself. But the scriptures give us the wisdom to know and follow Jesus. The scriptures give us the wisdom. The scriptures give us the teaching. The the scriptures tell us about Jesus. But we live by faith in Jesus now and not by some system of law and we wouldn't want to go back to a system of law Paul is telling the Galatians you've been justified don't go back to that verse 26 for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith so instead of being a ward or a captive someone shut up under these things of verse 23 now you're a son Again, talking about those of the ancient world where the, the father would have someone in charge of the instruction of their children, uh, some educator in some wealthy households. They might have somebody who used to be a slave in their former life and by conquest or by whatever got put into Roman system of slavery. People would take those slaves and they would hi- uh, have them to guide their children. Well, even though you're the heir of all things eventually... This teacher, sometimes even who was a slave themselves, they had control over you. Well, now though, you've come to the age of maturity. You've you've graduated from that program. You have come up and are now a son. And so you can either be a a ward again. You can be somebody under custodial care again. Or you can be a son. You can be the free son and heir And again, that's by faith in Christ. So you're justified. You're freed. You are made a son. And so these sons now, these free sons, they have a different relationship with God because they have faith in Christ. And so it wasn't just, like the Jews said, a descent of flesh, 
that mattered. It was this relationship of faith that mattered. The whole purpose of the instruction, again, as Paul told Timothy, it was the, it, the scriptures gave you this wisdom that led to salvation. And so with this wisdom that leads to salvation, you've been taught of Christ and you believe in Christ. You become an heir of all the promises made to Abraham. And now in the second part, you're united with Christ. Verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Putting on, that's the, as we mentioned in our Bible class this morning, the imagery of clothing. We are clothed with Christ. And we think about it as we talked about it at that hour. We talked about it in the garden when the first thing they found out when they sinned is they were naked. They then lived in the clothes that God provided and they were to make for themselves coverings. Uh, and now we think about the greatest covering, the fullest covering, the best of all coverings, the covering that is Christ. We are to clothe ourselves with Christ. In Revelation 3, to the church at Laodicea, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so you may come rich. And white garments that you may clothe yourself. That the shame of your nakedness not be revealed. And so Christ says, I'm offering you white garments. We think about other passages that talk about uh, being washed in the blood of the lamb and making our uh, clothes clean there. We think about some Old Testament uh, images of this. Though your sins be as scarlet, right? You're just stained all over. Your clothes are are stained. They shall be as white as snow. In Zechariah 3, there's uh, the image there of uh, the high priest who came before God in dirty clothes. And they took his polluted clothes off and they gave him new ones. Or Revelation 19 and 8 was given to her, the church was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And so in Christ... We're well and fully clothed. Again, verse 27, where'd that happen? As you were baptized into Christ. And so we have several verses about faith in Christ. And then we talk about how that faith is united with Christ. And that's where we talk about baptism. So we're baptized into Christ. With Christ then, we are clothed. With Christ then, we have all the blessing. And so now we think about, instead of that ward, instead of that young one under somebody else's authority, under somebody else's direction and control, now we have them responsible for themselves. Now we have them enjoying all of the the privileges of adulthood. Uh, We have them uh, clothed well, dressed well, and prospering. Because why? Of faith in Christ. I think again about these graduates that we're all going to see here in a few hours. Sometimes you see the ones who graduated in this type of ceremony a year or two or three back. And some of them, when you see them, you think, man, this one's doing well, right? Here is a a young person uh, who is uh, bright-eyed. Here is somebody who, in the way they uh, present themselves and their dress, 
and demeanor. This is a person who has done something with themselves. And then you see other ones, though. A few years after graduation, and it's kind of sad, isn't it? And you see the darkness of their countenance. And sometimes you literally see the grunginess of, of their appearance. And you think, well, it hadn't gone well for them. Well, here we are in Christ. We've been freed from this uh, tutelage of law. And now how are we supposed to be doing with it? Well, clean and bright. And we have a future. Uh, we, we have become united with Christ. And we become united with the others who are like this as well. Verse 28 There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So this promise of faith, it's a universal one, right? We think about, again, the old system, where these things were first being announced. Uh, We think about Isaac, uh, the young child of promise, who in so many ways is a type of Christ himself, but Isaac was helped out by uh, servants. Uh, there was uh, the servant of Abraham who, who did so much and helped uh, arrange Isaac's marriage and things like that. And, and what did he get out of all these things? Well, he was an honored servant of Abraham. But he wasn't really part of the main story. He's just one of the, he's one of the side characters. Or then you go to the next generation with, with the story of Isaac. And you get two sons, both circumcised, certainly. You know, uh, both would appear to be heirs of the promises of God, Jacob and Esau, but one of them sells the birthright and walks off from it and doesn't spiritually at least do so well. And materially, he seemed to do fine. But we have his descendants, though they are descendants of Abraham. They are not part of this. They're outside of it because they're not in the lineage of faith. But we see now in Christ, though, all those people who were but servants in the story, all these people who were more distant relatives than that direct line of the patriarchs, we see all of those who were wayward and even those who'd gone off at some point becoming the lost tribes, we see all of them called back. We see all of them now in Christ being offered the fullness of blessings that everybody got. So whether they were Jew or Greek. And so we think about all those Gentiles that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob dealt with. Uh, those of Philistia, the Philistines, those Egyptians, those other inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the like. And when it comes to the story of the redemption of God back then, where was their place in the story? They were privileged to make the book only as opponents of God at times. But now, for all the servants... And for all the men, and for all the women, and as we read through the story, aren't there a whole lot more fellows involved than ladies? Well, we know they have wives, because otherwise there's no children and the like, but the story usually concentrates on the story of the men. Not always, but often. But here we find a complete opening for everybody. No matter their lineage, no matter their connection, no matter their status, no matter anything, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, Do you believe? Are you of faith? You are all one in Christ Jesus. And so Peter reminds the 
the brothers in 1 Peter 3, your wives are fellow heirs of the grace of life. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And what does being in Christ Jesus mean? Verse 29, you, if you are in Christ, if you're Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs of the promise. So when we read, again, as we talked about in the Bible class a bit this morning, we read those early chapters of the book of Genesis. And basically everything before the flood is a story of all of us, right? Because we're, we all came from the same Adam and the same Eve. And then, of necessity, we all came at least part of the family of the same Noah and Mrs. Noah. Because there's nobody left but their sons and their daughters-in-laws. So we all came through the same lineage. We all came as part of the same story down to the flood. But then mankind, well, I was going to say they dispersed. They didn't quite disperse as they should have. They tried to build a tower of Babel first and God dispersed them. But we start seeing these different families of the earth go different directions. And not many of us are probably Jews today. Don't think I am. I guess I could always go on one of those TV shows and somebody would find out. But uh, we're not Jews today. But we're still part of this. That promise to Abraham is for us. We are his offspring by faith. And so then when we read that entire Old Testament history of God's dealings with the Jews, dealing with him as children of Abraham, but as his people as well, we find that's us. That's our story too, because it's God's people's story. And so we're in part of that. We, we get brought into the promise. We inherit the promise. We are heirs of the promise through Christ. And so what's in Christ? Being an heir of the promise. Being a child. Being all together with all the other believers. Being clothed in Christ. Being sons, freed, justified. And Paul is asking the Galatians who wanted to go back under a system of law where everything was based on being under the curse of you have to, you're cursed if you don't do it. Why would you want that? Why in the world would you want to go back under those restrictions? Why would you want to go back under a system like that when you have all of this by faith in Christ? And so truly, we are delivered. We're delivered to faith. This was God's intention. You know, it's, I'm pretty glad that John's graduating today. But I'm also... Uh, you know, pretty glad we sent him to the school. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty glad we started that, you know, how many years ago that was, been the majority of his life so far. But I would sure hate for him three years from now to still be under that. And for those of you who have your children in school, aren't you glad they're progressing through at the proper pace? And I know you look forward as I do to the day it will be done. It was necessary, it was needed. But man, wouldn't we hate for our 30-year-olds to still be down there? Yeah, we would. And so the same with the law. The law had its place. And that kind of thinking and mindset, it had its time. But it is past. And now you're freed from that as blessed sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So let us remember, we are clothed in Christ. We are one with all the others who've done so. We are all together children and heirs of God through this great provision 
of God. And let us not look back to the old way or the old way of thinking from which God's people were so mercifully delivered. So let us enjoy Christ and all that is in him instead. With that, we close today. Ask if you need to come confessing Christ that you may be baptized into him. You may be one with him. You may enjoy the uh, promises of God. Uh, Be made an heir and an inheritor of all these great things. And be a full participant by the adoption of God as we all have been. You need to come to the invitation uh, to uh, confess Christ or confess sin to return. We offer it as we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.